Good morning. Good morning again. Praise the Lord. Um, I want to take this time to welcome you all to the Village Church, which is a very exciting day for us. Um, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And I think it's an exciting moment because we get to have an opportunity for our kids to have to join us in service. So they be, we'll be facil facilitating all the movements that will be happening today, which I'm excited for. Um, we will now have Caroline Powell come up and do our announcements. Let's hear it for Caroline Powell, please. Thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Scanning the QR code, which is located on the front of the worship guide, allows you to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one place. Guests, please click on the menu items for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offerings off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today, after the service, there is a stay and play for village kids in First Steps. The Goodson Village Group will meet in the church house. This week, on Monday, September 25th, at 8.15 p.m., the Pierce Men's Group will meet in the church house. On Wednesday, September 27th, at 5 p.m., the Goodson Men's Group will meet in the church house. On Thursday, September 28th, at 7 a.m., the Shipman Men's Group will meet at Just Love Coffee. On Friday, September 29th at 6.30 a.m., the O'Neill's Men's Group will meet at the Bridge Street Panera. On Sunday, October 1st at 9 a.m., there's our worship service. On October 15th, our Enter the Village class begins. There are four sessions that teach you about our church's beliefs and how we function. Upon completion of the class, you may choose to join the church if you desire, but it is not required. If you are interested, sign up on the sheet in the foyer or email cynthia at enterthevillage.net. Mark your calendars for Trunk or Treat October 29th from 3 to 5 p.m. Sign up to help or contribute items when the flock note goes out. Emma Davis, Samantha Armstrong, and Tondi Gooden are leading, but we need everyone's help for this community outreach. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will be, we will rejoice and be glad in it, because our God is good, and his mercies are new every morning, and it is a blessing for us to be in the house of the Lord today. And this, as you have heard me say before, um, one of my favorite parts of our service is our uh, time of preparation, a time to just be still before the Lord, to um, have a little talk with Jesus, <laughs> and um, also for just for us to um, express our, our desire to the Spirit to move in this place. So we were going to sing the song. Um, I shared this song last Sunday, and I really want this to be just kind of, you know, our cry um, during this time that the Spirit, we know the Spirit is here because He dwells in us 
if we made a profession of faith that we believe in Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. He is here. The Spirit is here. But we want him to move. We want him to transform us. We want him to heal us and restore us and revive us and encourage us. And that's what this song speaks about. So sing this song and meditate on this song. Move in this place.
Our call to worship today is from Isaiah 43, 1 through 3a. So I will read where it says, Leader, please respond with where it says, People. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who informed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior. Amen. Well, our Father has many names, Mighty Counselor. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. But the Lord is also called the Lion of Judah. And this song we're going to sing, it's a, it's, a, it's a clapping song. It's also kind of call and response. And so call and response means I say a line, you repeat, okay? Um, so this is called, this song is called the Lion of Judah. And it's a lot of fun to sing. So y'all just have fun and praise the Lord. Amen? Amen.
now is the time that we pray, but it's also a great opportunity for us to focus on our kids and the good thing that God is doing for them, what God's going to do for them. And um, I'm thankful because this is only one place that I'd rather my kids be serving, that's in the work of the Lord, whether it's missions, in the field, no matter where they are. I'm hoping that they're serving at some point, that they feel uncomfortable when they're not serving the Lord. And that's the hope for all of our kids. I mean, I think serving in the church gave me so many things, those intangibles. I was an usher, so I got to meet and greet everybody, so I'm very good at meeting and greet and talking, as everyone would know. Um, I got to be on vacation Bible school. I learned about all the different things in the Bible that really impact me to this day. I got to stand in front of people and gave me poise, as you can see, I stand up there very well. I guess not. But um, these are the things I think we should want to add to our kids, and I'm very proud of them. So let's go before the Lord and thank God for them. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for your good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. You are good. Even when we don't feel it, Lord, you are good. Lord, when we're not our best, you're still good. Lord, when the rent is not paid, you're still good. When the lights are not on, you're still good. When your kids are disobedient, you're still good. You're loving, you're kind, you're just, you're pure. You're righteous, you're forgiven, you're, you're full of grace, Lord, and you're rich in mercy. So we thank you this morning for this day that you have made, and we can rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, because somebody didn't wake up this morning, but you saw fit for us to be here to give us one more day. We're thankful, Lord, because you caused the sun to shine and you caused it to rain, and it's all in preparation for the things that we need, food, life, and shelter. Your word said that you came that we might have life and we might have it more abundant. So we thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, that died on the cross for our sins. That, that you took away the sting of death that we may never see, see death, though, Lord. We can go from infinity to infinity with you and worshiping you and celebrating you and thanking you. Lord, I think about all the things you had to go through to get, even just to get here on earth. Virgin birth, coming down the canal of a woman. I don't think I'm doing nine months. Nowhere, Lord. But, Lord, you are merciful and you are good. You knew you came to die for sinful man who would not receive you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord God, for we have health, um, health, good health. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that we have shelter. Lord, I pray for those who don't have shelter, Lord God. I pray for those who don't have food. I pray for the people in Libya that had amazing flood, that unbelievable flood, that thousand died. Lord, I pray that you will be with them, Lord God, this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we lack no good thing. Lord, we put our trust and our hope in you. And Lord, I thank you for our kids. I thank you, Lord God, that you've given, you have entrusted us to them, Lord, them to us, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you help us to be better fathers, better parents, better mothers, Lord God, that we can be for them. But Lord, I also hope that you would, you would reach them where we can't, that you would search their heart. Lord, you know the inner beings of them, what things they suffer with, what things they struggle with. Lord, you know they're going before they even get there, Lord God. So I pray that you will reach them right now today. Lord, when they don't want to cut that grass, I pray that you give them good spirits. Lord, I pray when they don't want to wash the dishes, Lord, that you give them the right heart to just say, I want to serve. Lord, I pray, Lord God, when it's time to do that homework, Lord, they all hands on, and they with it, and they take ownership. Lord, I pray, Lord God, when that room is dirty and them shoes need to go outside, they will do the right thing, Lord God. So, 
So, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you will prick their heart and they will run after you, Lord God. But I pray this is not a day that they don't know you as their, as their Lord and their Savior, most of all. Lord, I pray that you will bless the man of God who's going to come with his word. I pray he come with heat. They come with much conviction. Lord God, I pray that God that we will be inspired, motivated, and moved this week by the word of God. I pray that he would decrease. Lord God, I pray that you would make him mighty in his pulpit today. And Lord, I pray that you would give him ears that will hear this word, Lord God. And these things we do thank you, Lord God. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. Confession of Faith, Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question 2. The Word of God has given to direct us how we may glorify Him and enjoy Him. A. I did. <laughs> the Word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify Him and enjoy Him. Will you please stand with me? Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea of great high priest
So, my name is Matt Foliot. I'm going to be reading the scripture. So, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God. You may be seated, or you may stand, whichever you like. You may be seated. I'll leave that up to you. (laughs) However the Lord leads you.
His presence is heaven to us. But do we actually believe it? That's always the question. Good morning, PVC Saints and guests. Hopefully you all are doing well today. Thank you all for uh, being here today and joining us for uh, worship and being able to gather with God's people. What is, what is the purpose of the village church? You know, why, why do you think we exist as a local church? Why do you think you exist as a human being? Have you ever really, you know, thought about those deep questions of purpose? Why does the church exist? Why does this church exist? Why do you exist as an adult and as a, as a teen or as a kid? What's your purpose in life? Yes, good question, good answer. Our mission statement answers that question of purpose. Our mission here at the Village Church is to know, enjoy, and glorify Christ. That's a amen statement. That's the, the that's why we exist as a church. That's why we exist as, as Christians. And that is to know and that is to enjoy and that is to glorify Christ. And and that is the kind of disciples that we should seek to be within our covenant community. It can't just be a statement on our worship guide or our website, to know and to enjoy and to glorify Jesus has to be right here in our hearts. Otherwise, it's just a nice little statement to have on the shirt. Is it here in your heart? If you have your Bible, please open our Bible app on your smartphone. Open it to Luke chapter 10. The text this morning is verses... uh, 38 through 42. That's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. The sermon title is Two Sisters of Bethany. The Two Sisters of Bethany. The big idea in this sermon, listen carefully, the big idea for today's sermon is resurrection advocates are disciples who know, enjoy, and glorify Resurrection advocates are disciples who know, enjoy, and glorify Christ. Please pray with me for me. Spirit, I pray that you continue to bless uh, our worship gathering. I pray you continue to minister to us, as I believe you have been doing through the other parts of our service. I pray now that you will minister to us through the preaching of the word. And if you don't do it, then nothing here will ever get gets done. If you don't move in our minds and in our hearts, the, 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 the word is not going to fall into fertile soil, Lord. We really can't make ourselves believe and do what Scripture says. We, we need your power. We need you to move. 
We can read books. We can go to seminary. We can go to conferences. We can listen to podcasts. We can go to conferences. We can do all these Christian things. And no change takes place because you're not moving. So sometimes we just got to learn to just to be still and just ask for your help. Give us the humility to admit none of us are as smart as we are. None of us are as righteous as we are. And definitely none of us have it all together. So, Holy Spirit, for the glory of Christ and for our good, I pray that you will give us what we need from the message today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. There is a context to just about everything that happens in this world to just about everything that happens to you, to other people, to churches, to families, uh, to communities, to organizations. And we have to stop running to social media and video reels and and sound bites for context whenever whenever something happens. Those things are not created to give context. They are just clickbait, to be honest. And if we're not careful, Scripture can become clickbait when used out of context. You see, there's a context to every verse and passage and story in the Bible. One Jewish rabbi says every section of Scripture is explained by the one that stands next to it. That's a hermeneutic principle, interpreting Scripture with Scripture. Luke 10, 38 through 42 isn't clickbait. It's not a hot take. It's biblical truth. And it has to be understood in the context of the whole chapter of Luke 10. And it's because it, this is not simply an isolated story about two sisters living in Bethany. But do you believe it? Luke chapter 10 opens with Jesus sending out 72 people on a missionary journey. He sends these 72 out on, uh, as resurrection advocates. He sends them out uh, ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place that he himself plans on visiting. And keep that in mind as we work our way through the text today. The 72 are, are instructed to look for a person of peace when they, whenever they enter in any town or village. And such a person will receive them such a person will receive them and they will receive their message. And the 72 are told to stay with that person until, they, until, their, town, until their time in the town is over. And similarly, Luke 10, verse 38 to 42, it opens the same way. It opens with Jesus doing what he just instructed the 72 to do. He enters a village named Bethany alone. Without a partner, without his disciples, he approaches a home of peace that's owned by a person of peace who lives with a person of peace. Who are these people? Two sisters of Bethany, Martha and Mary. The text says Mary welcomes and receives Jesus into her home. And Mary, by default, she, she does the same. Both sisters let Jesus inside. Both sisters welcome him into the home, not simply as a guest, but as Lord. That's something to consider. 
the amen statement. I got to pull the sign out. Everyone here has what I call the three T's. Time, talent, treasure. Is Jesus guess over those things or is he Lord? Which one? Everyone here welcomes and then receives various ideals and people into our life. You, you have your go-to social media influences. You have your go-to music playlist. You have to, your go-to political expert and celebrity Christian that you go to, your, your go-to friend group. You have your go-to for any and everything. And, but, but, but when is Jesus going to be our go-to? When is he going to be welcome to speak into our marriages? When is he going to be welcome to speak into your life as a team? When is he going to be allowed to, to speak into our sexuality, our relationships with our siblings and our parents? When is he going to be allowed to speak into our manhood and, and womanhood? When is he going to be allowed to speak into how we function within our church community? When is he going to be allowed to speak into what you cling to for your happiness. I don't care how old you are, you cling to something to make you happy. Is Jesus allowed to speak into that thing, into that person? Jesus isn't going to settle for being a BG in your life. Oh, I, I missed the point. Hold up. Jesus... Uh, Chick-fil-A. I used to work for Chick-fil-A when I was, I'm sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. Chick-fil-A used to give, I think they may still do this, they used to give dissatisfied customers something called a BOG card. It's a BI guest card. And for that BOG card, for that BI guest card, you can get one free item off that menu. It could be a waffle fry. It could be a chicken nuggets it can be a chicken sandwich it's just one free item because somehow they let you down you had a bad experience at chick-fil-a and here's the thing about a bog card it can only be used once so when you go in you got to give it to them okay we can functionally treat jesus like chick-fil-a treats their satisfied customers we give jesus a bog card he's welcome to speak into certain areas of our life as a guest, but never as Lord. Oh, well, I give you, well, you can speak into this problem, but this problem you can't. You can't touch that. Well, you can speak into this, but you can't speak into my past. So here's your BOG card, Jesus. You get one opportunity to speak into my marriage, and after that, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you. You can be our guest in our singleness, Jesus. You can be our guest in our church hurt. You can be our guest in the way I spend my time and my talents and my treasure. You, you can be my guest, our guest in our addictions and our idols. You are welcome here as a guest, but never as Lord. Say what you have to say, then you've got to leave. You ain't got to go back to heaven, but you've know, you got to get up out of my life, out of my business. B-O-G. See, Jesus isn't going to settle for being a BOG in our life. You got to understand that. Young or old, 
He just ain't going to settle by you being a guest. That's never going to happen. He, he, wants to wel- he wants you to welcome him as Lord and Savior, receive him as Redeemer and, and King. The Greek verb that's translated welcome in verse 38, it expresses an openness to, to the word of God and to the work of God. That's how that term is used in Luke 2, Luke 8, Luke 9, and even here in Luke 10. The two sisters aren't just receiving Jesus into their physical presence. They receive him into their life as Lord and Savior, Redeemer and King. One scholar said the sisters receiving Jesus signifies their commitment to Jesus' mission and to the God who sent him. They appear as model disciples of Christ. Remember, that's context. They're not like those who who Jesus said would receive, who would not receive those that, that he sent out on the missionary. These are people of peace. They're women of peace. They're part of the team. The two sisters aren't in opposition to one another. Mary and Martha are both resurrection advocates. Both are disciples who know Jesus in faith. Remember the mission of our church. Remember the the big ideal of this sermon. Resurrection advocates are disciples who know Christ. Do you know him? Knowing him, this knowing is saving faith. It's depending on him. It's trusting in him. It's submitting to him. It's welcoming him. It's resting in him. And you don't have to be a a grown-up in order for that to be true in your life. It's time for some of you to be for real, for real with yourself and with Jesus. You haven't welcomed or received him in faith. Yes, you know Bible studies. Yes, you know the Bible studies. Yes, you come to church. Sometimes you're dragged here by your parents. You know facts about Jesus. You know the story ever told. And yet at the same time, your heart is so far removed from him. Put it this way. You coming here each week is just you simply giving Jesus a B.O.G. card. I'm here. Here's my card. You don't even give it to him. You just throw it at his feet. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Well, I'm here. I showed up. Isn't that enough? If you don't have saving faith in Jesus, then all that can change today. All that can change today. He wants to give you his own B.O.G. card. That's right. Jesus has a B.O.G. card. It's what I call an M.B.O.G. card, and it never expires. It can be used 365 days a year. Do you know what M.B.O.G. stands for? My blood overcomes guilt. My blood overcomes guilt. You have guilt. Young or old, guilt. You have sin in your life. You have sin in your life. You have sin in your heart. I don't care if you're this, your, this tall or that tall. You have sin in your life. And there's, and there's only one way that sin is going to get dealt with. It's either going to be his blood or your blood at the last day. So as long as you're breathing, he says, just take the card. Just take the card. My blood overcomes your guilt. 
Your goodness won't. Your performance won't. Your productivity won't. Your success won't. Your achievements won't. None of those things are ever going to overcome your guilt. And, I, and, and this guilt is not just the bad things that you do. You can be self. You, you can be the good, the best kid. You can be the model child, and you're still a sinner. You can follow all your parents' rules to the T. You're still a sinner. You can get all the good grades in school, get the nice score on the ACT, and get into all these colleges, get that great job. You can have all of those things and forfeit your very soul at the end. Because it's never your, you can never be good enough. And so he's offering you this card. He wants to cover your sin. Think about what you give your life to. Who and what in your life says, I will cover your sin by giving up my life? No one's going to ever do that for you. His shed blood shed on Calvary. He give his BOG card to enemies so that they can become friends. If you are a child and you've been raised in a Christian home and you don't know God, you his enemy. I don't, there's no, you don't get in because of your parents' faith or your grandma's faith. It has to be yours. Your faith. Your faith. It's his life and, and his death and, and his resurrection. That's what makes it possible for people like us to have everlasting life. We should be lining up saying, Yo, give me that card. Saving faith, that's what rescues you from the state of sin and misery. That's what we, we're all born into that state. And you cannot work your way out of it. You're in a hole, and in that hole... Jesus takes your place in that hole so you can get out. That's the gospel. Coming to faith in him, it reconciles you to God. It ain't just about dying and going to heaven. You get to have peace with God right now. You get brought into a a family, which is messy, but you get brought into a family. So do you want Jesus' B-O-G card? Do you want his blood to overcome your guilt? Because remember, I said his, this card never expires. It overcomes all your guilt, past, present, and future. Think about that. You mean the things I haven't even done yet? Yep. Because Jesus died for real sins, not Plato sins, real sins, past, present, and future. Think about that. The things you haven't even done yet. He, that he hung on the tree for that. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, your presence is heaven to me. So all you have to do then is, is do you want forgiveness? Everyone here has done something that you need forgiveness of. And if you haven't, kids, live long enough. Live long enough. I'm a big component of therapy. But therapy cannot save your soul. I'm a big component. I'm in therapy. But it, can, it is not Christ. He uses it to make you whole, but you cannot use it as a substitute for his presence in your life. You need him and that. And maybe some medication too. 
then acknowledge your sin before him. Repent of it. Then confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he will welcome you with open arms. And then he'll declare you as one of his disciples who know him in true faith. Listen, y'all, every Christian here is a disciple who knows Jesus and said in faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this knowing is just the beginning of your discipleship. It's not the end of it. It's just the beginning of it. The rest of your life is spent enjoying and glorifying Jesus in faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a wonderful amen statement. Again, remember the big ideal of the sermon. Resurrection advocates are disciples who know, enjoy, and glorify Christ. Jesus being welcomed and received by Mary and Martha is about knowing him. And, and his upcoming interaction with the two sisters is all about enjoying him and glorifying him. Remember what I said earlier about the two sisters. They're not in opposition to each other. Martha is not against Mary, and Mary isn't against Martha. The sisters are not examples of a, of a right and wrong way to approach Jesus. Did you know that? They're not an example of a right or wrong way to follow Jesus. Luke is not telling us to be more like Mary and less like Martha. If that's what you get out of that passage, that's clickbait. That's clickbait. Both sisters know Jesus in faith. Both are resurrection advocates. You see, their interaction with Jesus represents the tension all Christians experience in their discipleship. It's the tension that all churches experience and we're experiencing. It's the tension between enjoying Jesus and glorifying Jesus. There's a tension there. The tension is real. Can you feel it? The sisters can feel it, and it spills out into reality. It spins out into what's taking place in the home. Luke describes Mary as being in a position of enjoying Jesus. Silently sitting at his feet, attentively and actively listening to his teachings. She keeps listening to his teachings. See, Jesus' presence is being enjoyed. His word is being enjoyed. For there's, for there's enjoyment in communing and fellowshipping with Jesus. So the question for us is, whose presence do we really enjoy? Whose presence do you really enjoy? Whose words you just can't get enough of? Whose words? Let me put it this way. Who and what do you worship? Who and what do you worship? Saturdays in the South is filled with worshiping people. It's filled with people communing and fellowshipping with joy. There's laughter. There's shouting. It's filled with people who, who won't even say anything on church, but on Saturday. They are loud as can be. It's filled with people enjoying the presence and words of college football. And if it's not sports for you, then it's something. All of us, all of us here know what it's like to enjoy someone and to enjoy something. And you just cannot get enough of it or that person. Time is made. Treasure is spent, talents are used, priorities are adjusted. Your arm never have to be twisted for what's important to you. For disciples, enjoying Jesus' presence and word 
is an important part of our discipleship, your discipleship, if you are a Christian. Listen, y'all, Jesus wants to be in a growing, intimate, personal relationship with all Christians. It's a relationship that brings enjoyment. You don't have to die and go to heaven to enjoy Jesus' presence. You get to enjoy it at this time and this moment right now. Seven days a week, 365 days a week. So we have to make it a priority to, to spend time in his word and prayer, not out of duty, but because, man, this brings me joy. Make it a priority to meditate on scripture. Make it a priority to be in regular communion with his people. Because you can't say, I enjoy Jesus, but I hate being with his people. That's not in the Bible. That's not in God's word. You're going to enjoy him. You're going to enjoy his people. We said his people are messy. Well, you messy. And Jesus still enjoys you. So we are messy together and we get to enjoy Jesus together in community. We welcome Jesus to have lordship over every area of our life. That's part of enjoying him. Psalm 116 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is someone who is enjoying their relationship with Christ. So do y'all believe it? And are y'all really enjoying Jesus? After his description of Mary, Luke describes Martha as trying to glorify Christ trying to glorify Jesus. She's serving Jesus. The Greek term translated serving, it refers to helps and services of various kinds. And, 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 Luke, and in Luke and Acts, that, the noun and verb form of this term is used in four ways. It can be used to, to refer to, to serving at a table or serving a meal. It can be used to talk about financial or material support, proclamation of God's word, and, and ministry. So how is Luke using the term in reference to Martha. It could be preparation of a meal, and it could be some form of ministry serving. Either way, the point is Martha is serving Jesus, which is one way his disciples can glorify him. One way his disciples can glorify him. And here's the thing. There's just not one way to serve and glorify Christ. No one church, no one ministry has a monopoly on that are no Christian experts. It can look like members showing up to paint the fellowship hall on Saturdays. We did, thank you. It can look like those serving on our youth ministry team. Thank you, youth ministry team. It looks like the youth serving in our church today. That's what it can look like. It looks like volunteering in the nursery and with our village kids. It looks like, you know, helping with the upcoming trunk or treat. We can serve him in how we use social media, and how we use technology in our parenting, in our marriages, in other relationships. We serve him in how we actually do our job. You know, you should show up time to work as a Christian. You should show up time to work. If you are a Christian student, you should do your homework. You shouldn't be late to class. Those are ways that, that you can glorify him. Even the way we treat our bodies. Glorify him. Have you thought about that? 
the way you treat your body, what you put in your body, that you can glorify Christ that way because you only get one body. How we care for the blessings that he provides us is how we glorify him. Kids and youth, you glorify him by like doing your homework, doing your chores, and how you treat your siblings, and how you talk to your parents, verbally and non-verbally. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's actually what Martha is trying to do while Jesus is in her home. Her serving Jesus is good. It's part of her discipleship and ours. See, the issue is the issue is is when serving becomes a distraction. The issue ain't with the serving. It's when what you do for Jesus becomes a distraction. Luke says, but Martha is distracted with much serving. Notice Luke doesn't say she's not listening. He says she's distracted. She's multitasking. She's listening to Jesus while trying to serve him at the same time. Our sister is a distracted listener. And who can relate? Who can relate? A distracted listener is, is physically with you, but man, their attention is not. For Martha is with Jesus, but she's serving him. Because when you're in a conversation with somebody, you're talking to them in, in their own day tablet. You're like, uh, you hear me? Yeah, 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 I heard you, but go ahead, I'm listening. Are they really listening? No, so she's, she's serving him. And it has become a distraction. And that, 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 that noun there that said for distraction, it means to be pulled away. It means to be diverted from. She's been pulled away from him by serving him. And the same can be true of us. Ministry, which is good, can become your distraction. Parenting and marriage is good, but it can become your distraction. Serving in the church, good, but it can become a distraction. The very blessings that God has given you can become a distraction. We can spend all of our time working for Christ and not growing in our very relationship with him. Doing all the things, being a good parent, being a good spouse, and, and doing this and doing this, doing this and doing this. You're, you're giving and you're serving and you're serving and, and you're giving and you're giving. You, you're, come, you're doing stuff at the church while everybody else ain't doing stuff at the church. I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And what happens, you get frustrated. You get frustrated. It spills over into relationships. Then you start judging people in your heart. Because Martha feels frustrated about what's happening under her own roof. Like, this is my house. She's disappointed and disapproved. She, she feels abandoned by her own sister and by Jesus. She wants her sister's help, and she wants Jesus to care. She believes Jesus cares. She wants him to show that he cares by correcting her sister. So Martha goes to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Substitute whoever you want to substitute in that for Mary. Who is it for you that you're complaining to Jesus about? Do you not care that my wife just leaves me to do everything? 
Do you not care that my husband don't help? Do you not care that my, my kids are lazy? They don't help? Do you not care that my boss gives praise to other people and, and overlooks what I'm doing? Do you not care, Lord? Do you not see, Lord? Do you not care that, that my brother never does his part and my sister doesn't do her part? I'm working, but they're just playing video games. Do you not care? Lord, do you not care? Working all this time, doing all this stuff, get no recognition. Do you not care? So Martha, she's, she tells Jesus, then tell her, Lord. Tell her so that she'll help me. So Martha isn't just asking Jesus to tell her sister to help. He wants her to rebuke Mary for leaving her to do it all by herself. So it ain't just tell her to help. You agree with me, Lord. You tell her, Lord. Ain't that right? She basically said, ain't that right, Jesus? Martha's leaving me a rock and roll. Ain't that right, Jesus? Well, you tell her. You, you, you tell her, Lord. Yeah, I, see, see, I told you, Mary. Tell her, Lord. Have you ever felt abandoned by Jesus? Have you ever felt abandoned by other church members you're supposed to be in community with? And how do you feel? When you feel that way, you feel frustrated. You feel alone. Jesus doesn't rebuke Mary, but instead he, he ministers to Martha. He ministers, he ministers to her eternal, internal and external distress. And he affirms what she's feeling. He knows he's in emotional distress. And his response to her, it, it, is, it expresses his care, his affection, and his concern. He says, Martha, Martha. Think about that. Not woman, woman. Martha, Martha. Person. Alex, Alex. Put your name there. Don't care how old you are. Put your name there. You are anxious and worried by many things. But one thing is important. Things that can pull you away from Christ can be good things, and you can be anxious about it. I'm anxious about being a good dad and a good father. I'm anxious about it all the time. So what is it for you? What is it for you that makes you feel like Jesus doesn't care? He does care. He tells tells Mary, Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken from her. And the good portion, y'all, is, is, is balanced, people. He's not saying, he doesn't tell her serving him is wrong. It's, it's when it becomes a distraction. Both Mary and Martha, they represent the tension that you're going to feel all the days of your Christian life. The tension between enjoying Jesus and glorifying Jesus. There would be a tension there that you would feel. And it's okay. Because guess what? Jesus is present with both sisters. And he's present with you. All the days of your life. There's a tension between, you know, serving in the church and then just enjoying Christ. Remember I said earlier that Luke 10, 34, and 42 have to be understood in the context of 
the whole chapter. Do y'all know what verses come before this text? Does anyone know? Congregational participation time. Good Samaritan. And what does the passage of the Good Samaritan, what is it really about? Loving your neighbor. And what are the two greatest commandments in the Bible? So what do you think another point is with the sisters? What is that about? Loving God. Loving God. The Good Samaritan passage is about loving your neighbor. This is about we can love God by enjoying him, and we love God by glorifying him. Both and, not either or. The first catechism is probably the greatest catechism out of all of them. That's the greatest one. What is your chief end? What's the chief end of mankind? To glorify and to enjoy God together. And that is what is being seen in this passage today. It's both and, not either or. And there will be a tension that you're going to feel to be faithful in enjoying Jesus and faithful in glorifying him. And guess what? It is okay to live in the tension. Because the alternative is you go to heaven and there's no more tension. You die. That's when the tension goes away. But I don't want y'all to die just yet. And that's okay. So we embrace the tension together while in community together. But do we believe it? And will we live that way? Let us pray. Father, thank you that you know that there's a tension. And that you are, regardless of where we are, if we're serving to, if we're being distracted, Lord, you're still with us. I pray that your spirit will reveal to us where we are in detention and be able to help us to hold the balance. I pray for, for those here who feel like all they do is work for you, that you will help them know that they can just rest, take a break, and find enjoyment. I pray for those of you who, who are struggling to glorify you in certain areas of their life. I pray that the power of your spirit will give them the power and the energy to to, to to glorify you in the things that you call them to do, doing it as unto the Lord, not unto themselves or to any other people. So, Holy Spirit, you know us. You know where we are in, the, in our discipleship. I pray that you continue to move and work in us. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for y'all. Please stand.